in verse number 17. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. Now I want to make sure you're following this. Just think, don't answer out loud. What's more in number than the sand? Here's what David is saying. God's thoughts about me. God thinks about me more than the sand that is on the earth. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Brother Marcus. <laughs> it's amazing. And then he makes this statement. When I awake... I am still with thee. So the title is this, Wherever You Are. And there's, there's two things that go with that. The first is, I hope, obvious. But the second one is the challenge, the, the confrontation that I received from this text and that I want to share with you, challenge you with, and hopefully it'll be both an encouragement and a help. Father, I'm glad that we can be here, and nothing good happens in this without you. Your people have assembled, and God, I pray that you would help us to give you attention, and there's a lot of different things going on, and Father, I understand that our minds can be in a lot of different places, and that's not even a bad thing necessarily, but God, would you help us to listen to this truth without distraction, and then would you help the communication of it? to be without distraction, and, and God, through a flawed instrument, communicate perfect truth to us who need it so much. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thanks so much for standing. How many of you know what it's like to be tired? I mean, I mean beyond functioning tired, like to where even when you're trying to stay awake, you can't. I have, I have two experiences where when I was in when I was in college, um, I, I was married. I started college married, and I was I was the sole provider, and and we were having children, and 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 so it was just a really a really challenging season. And so I would work from 10 p.m. to 6 a.m., and then I would come home, and and then I would go to class, and then do some homework and things like that, get a little sleep, and and it just repeat that cycle. And I repeated that cycle. For four years, and in the, the nature of my job um, was that I was I was basically Barney Fife minus the gun or the bullet. Praise the Lord, based on the stories I'm about to tell you right now. And and so basically, we were called loss prevention officers because people get their feelings hurt about being called security guards and all sorts of political correctness. I don't understand the point of a loss prevention officer that can't actually stop anybody, though. It's like what, this in an oversized uniform with a walkie-talkie? It's like, hey, don't touch that. I, yeah, man, bad guys are really going to be intimidated, whatever. Anyway, so I, I, it, was a, it was an enormous manufacturing plant of toner, and, and just because of the chemicals in there, they needed to have some kind of security. And, and so we, just, we were supposed to just walk around um, out there. And, and this was not the norm. Okay, what I'm about to tell you is not the norm, 
I don't want you to think I did this all the time. But I, you just, you have moments when you are just exhausted. You know what I'm talking about? I remember one shift we had nobody showed up. I worked for, I worked for 32 straight hours. Like nobody showed up. And then I got reprimanded for still being there. And I'm like, okay, sweet, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> so I'm walking, and it's this enormous warehouse. And you know the I-beams? I walked right into one. No, I woke up when I hit it. I, I just, I don't even know how. I don't remember anything before it. Don't remember much after it either. I just know I woke up and my face is in, an, is in one of those beams. It's like, oh, you're there. <laughs> I won't tell you the other story, whatever. We just need to move on. It, here's, the, here's the point that I'm trying to make is that there are times when you can be asleep to things that you really need to be awake to. In our text, we see three things that David points out about God as it relates to him. In verse number one through six, and I'm not going to read each verse, I'm just going to highlight briefly some things about each verse. The first category of things that David points out about God as it relates to him is that, number one, God, you know me. In verse number one, he uses the word that you've searched me and you've known me. In verse number two, he says, you know where I stop. You know, you know every thought that I think. Now, that ought, to, that ought to cause you to pause a little bit to know that there has never been a thought, no matter how brief, that has entered your mind that God is not acutely aware of. You know my thoughts. You've compassed my path and you're acquainted with all of my ways. Whatever your tendency is and whatever your personality bent and whatever direction you lean, God is aware of that. You know every word. In verse number four, he says, that There is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. Have you ever said something before it fully processed in your brain? Yes, probably all of us, some are inclined to do that more than others, and yet you've never said a word that God wasn't aware of it even before you were aware of it. You beset me. And, and this idea of besetting you in verse number five and your hand on me is not one of judgment. It's an idea that you are protecting me. You are hedging me about. You are guarding me. You are looking out for me and your hand being on me. I think about watching, watching parents with little children walk them across a parking lot in a store or walking across the street with their hand on their shoulder or their hand on their hand and how that little child is just kind of spazzing out and all over the place and like, man, Walmart is amazing. And the parent just has their hand on the shoulder, not yanking them around most of the time, but just kind of just like, you know, guiding and know we need to come back this way and know we need to go this way, that God is is on you. And then verse number six, he says, such knowledge is too wonderful for me, it is high. I cannot attain unto it. You know, what, what can you not comprehend, David? I can't, I can't comprehend, God, how incredibly aware of me you are. How well you know me. And then beginning in verse number seven through verse number 12, he makes the statement, if you could sum it up this way, God, you are with me. In verse number seven, there's no place that I can get away from your awareness. There's no place. 
There's not a geographical place that I can get away from your awareness. There's not a circumstance in life that I can be away from your awareness. There's not an internal sorrow that I can be away from your awareness. And when my, I am convinced in my mind because of my heartache and my loneliness and my loss and my failure that I am beyond the view of your concern. God, you are aware in verse 8. I love this verse. He says, if I could go up to heaven, if I could make my bed in hell, yeah, God, I cannot hide from you. I think about Jonah. I'm going to go on a ship and I'm going to go down into the depths of the sea, but I can't get away from you. The mornings, as they come and fly away, the sea in its vastness And yet still in verse number 10, your hand leads me and your hand holds me. And in verse 11 and 12, light and dark are exactly the same to you. Oh, this is incredible. Have you ever been in pitch black? Okay, look, this happens at night. You know, you turn off the lights and you're like, man, it's really dark. But then if you lay there long enough, you don't go to sleep, your eyes adjust. And it's not, that, it's not that you have some special ability. It's that there's still light out there that your eyes are adjusting to. And actually, that is pretty cool that your eyes can do that. But I'm talking about pitch black, like 100 or 1,000 feet down in some cave. You ever been on one of those? You take a little cave hike, and then they shut off the man-made lights, and it's a darkness that you can feel. You ever been in that? Maybe some of you, your great-grandma has a cellar, and one of your mean cousins locked you down in it one time, or maybe your parents locked you down in it, I don't know. It's just, man, it's, you can feel it. You understand, God isn't affected by it. God's not, God doesn't say, okay, like with headlights, man, I, you notice on the road, you got the really old dingy headlights. And then you've got these NASA headlights that everybody's putting in their headlights. And it's like, turn the high beams off. These aren't the high beams. These are the low beams. And they penetrate your soul. And it's like, oh, that blinds me. You know, you stare into the sun. Don't blink. Spots everywhere. Or pitch black. God isn't affected by light or by dark. You can't go to a place that's too too hard for him to see you. And, And he is with you. Jesus promised that I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. And throughout the word of God, we are given these promises that for his people, God is with them. And there's no place that you can be that he can't find you. And there's no darkness that covers you, that prevents him from reaching you. And there's no place that exists that God will not be with you or that God is ashamed of you. And then beginning in verse number 13, David talks about how God has formed him. In verse 13, he says that you possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. Look, this isn't to make a political point. I need somebody to say amen to that, okay? I am not making a political point. I'm just, I am convinced of this from a biblical perspective that life begins the moment You are conceived. You do not become a life when you exit your mother's womb. But you are a life the moment you are conceived. You are as much a human 
the moment those forces come together that bring life into existence as much as you are sitting in this chair right now. Looking back there, Miss Gina just taking her baby out to go tend to little Will. I love it. It's beautiful. I'm excited for him and excited for how tired they are and just kind of laughing at them like, welcome to the club, baby. It's fantastic. And yet William, little Will, is not more human now than before he was born. He was as much human before they even knew he was there. He says in verse 13, you were over my formation. In verse 14, your formation of me is amazing. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. The statement, marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. I believe the statements that I make about God's favorite resource, most valuable resource, being people. I believe that because of statements like this in his word. No, he spoke the worlds in all of their vastness, in all of their incredible detail and function, in all of their incredible harmony and cycles, in all of their incredible wonders. He spoke that into existence But he involved his hands in forming mankind. And into man he breathed the breath of life. And man became a living soul. In verse 15, in the most mysterious stages of your formation. Before your mama even knew you were there. Listen, he was involved. He was involved. Verse 16, in every phase of development, God, you were keeping track of me. I just looked up a few facts about the human body and how amazing it is. Look, this isn't self-love. This is just appreciating God's design in you. Now, for our medical experts in here, if I get something wrong... I'm sorry beforehand. Please don't email me about it. Email Miss Carrie. All right. There's 200, between 206 and 213 bones in an adult male, something like that. 78 organs coordinate to keep your body functioning. Over 600 muscles in your body A heartbeat can be detected around five, six weeks. By adulthood, I read between 60, I don't know the number, I just read different people say different things, between 60 and 100,000 miles of blood vessels in your body. That's, That's more than two or more times around the earth. And all of that is going on in your body to keep you alive and functioning, and you don't think about it at all. There's so much intelligence and mastery that goes into the design and the function and the maintenance of the human body that you can sit there and breathe and your kidneys and your lungs and your heart and your body functions together to keep you alive and you do nothing to make it work. You simply benefit from it. You say, how is that possible? Because he was intimately involved in forming every part of you. Side note, what about birth defects? 
What about chronic or hereditary illnesses? Is Number one, there's always mystery about hardship. And, and remember what Jesus dealt with, the man that was blind from his birth? You remember that guy in the Gospels? And the disciples, you know, in their spirituality were like, who sinned? I mean, somebody obviously sinned. Well, nobody sinned directly. You know, these things happen and it's an opportunity for God to work. You know, I think about the, the special challenges that we are privileged to have here at this church. I'll wait. You can catch up. Okay, I'm going to say it again. Okay. I am thankful for the special challenges that we are privileged to have at this church. Not that people, not that people are challenged, is, but that, I'm, yeah, anyway. <laughs> not that people are challenges, but people face difficult challenges. And, and, and those things are very noticeable. You say, what do you, what do you say about that? Well, I say some things, they, they only can be answered by God. We do have to understand the ramification of sin generally and that there are, there are general side effects to humanity because of the curse of sin. And yet God is as intimately involved in the existence of that person as he is in any other person. I can't answer why these and why not. I don't, I don't understand those things. And yet I know that the tendency in our culture, well, if you, can, if you can predict in the womb that that fetus is possibly gonna be deformed, it's better to just eliminate it. Well, the problem with that is, is that if, number one, it's not a fetus, it's a life. It is a life. Not a political point here, just something that we ought to care about. That's a life. And whatever that life looks like outside of the womb is God's business. And it's our pleasure and our joy to minister to that life. It is. So this is David's assessment, verse 1 down through verse number 16. God knows me, God is with me, and God formed me. And by the time we get to the verses we read tonight, verse 17 and 18, it's almost as though David erupts with jubilation. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God. Okay, I don't know if you pay attention to how I text you. If you ever text me and I text I like to use exclamation points. And people are like, Pastor, you're using too many exclamation points. I feel like you're yelling at me all the time. And I'm like, sometimes I'm just excited about stuff. And if I'm... Re- I'm like, sweet, da, 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 da. like, hey, da, 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 da. I'm just, I'm an emotional texter, man. But here, verse 17, the word of God uses an exclamation point. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God. In fact, for all of you exclamation point critics and deniers, there's two exclamation points in verse 17. How great is the sum of them. God, I am amazed that more, if I could count the sand that I see, and by the way, David lived in a very deserty place. There was a lot of sand where David lived. 
He didn't just have to go to the beach to see sand. There was sand all around him. And he's saying, God, if I could count all of the sand, your thoughts about me would be more than all of the sand that I could number. God, you're thinking about me. I say it this way, God, in your infinite greatness, you are intimately aware of me. He is infinitely great. Man, I believe that we can know a lot about God because he's made it known. Some people make things about God a mystery that he's already said. Don't need to be a mystery. But even with what he tells us, there's so much more that we can't comprehend. That's why he says his ways and thoughts are so much higher than ours. In your infinite greatness, you are infinitely aware of me. Can I remind you of a few things? Your life is no accident. Young people, you're going to go through ups and downs, and you're going to face challenges, and you're going to mess up, and people are going to hurt you. People's mess-ups are going to hurt you, but, and, and there are going to be people on social media. They're going to be educational experts who are filled with arrogance, who despise human life, and they are going to tell you, look, your life is just a random event, and it really isn't that big of a deal. I don't, there, there's like 8 billion people in the world. I don't know exactly how many, however many there are but every single one of those God knows about and God cares about in your life tonight is no accident your flaws and your struggles are not hidden from God he has been aware of you and desires to be with you in every heavenly experience, in every hellish trial. He desires to walk with you through all of them, and he has a purpose for your life, whether you've bought into it or not. In his infinite greatness, God is intimately aware of you. I'll say it this way. You are an eternal priority to God. I, I don't know if you feel the weight of this. I, I really tried to not let my spirit be affected, but I am aware of it. You read, you read any amount of news, and this is what you learn really quick. There are very few and far between politicians and people in power that, actual, that actually care about the people they are supposed to be representing. Right. Like, well, nobody said that. No, but the decisions that they make say it over and over and over again. And, and, and that is true, no matter which spectrum you look at. There are people who are entrenched in power who continue to vote themselves raises, who continue to view themselves to be above the laws that they would enforce on common people. And there is a weight that settles in that says, no one's really aware of or cares about where I'm at. But do you understand, whoever is in power is a temporary figurehead, and there is an eternal God who says to you, you are my eternal eternal priority. You say, how can you say eternal, pastor? Because God so loved before the foundation of the world that he gave 
so that you could have everlasting life. You're, you're his eternal priority. You remember the I-beam? You're like, how, what, how is he going to tie into that? Well, with my head, <laughs> sorry. Those I-beams are pretty important. They keep it all from falling apart. Ought to be pretty obvious. <laughs> hey, I'm going somewhere. Ought to be pretty obvious. This is foundational. This I-beam, this building can't stand without this I-beam. It's foundational. Everything, all of the man-made systems going on in that building cannot function without that I-beam holding up support. You know what I proved one time, just once? That I can be asleep to very important things. Here's the danger, is that we are not awake to the one who is aware of us. David said at the end of verse number 18, when I awake, I am still with thee. And the way he states that, it is about God's presence with him, but it's also about his awareness of God. Brothers and sisters, let's just be honest for a moment. We are awake to a lot of things in this life. We're awake to our hurts. Man, I got hurt at my job. I got hurt in that relationship. I got hurt by my parents. I got, I got hurt by my kid. I got hurt by my spouse. I got hurt by my former spouse. I got, I got hurt in, in this situation. I got, I got hurt in these areas. We're awake to our hurts. We're awake to our own ambitions. And that's not even that they're all bad. We're just awake to them. Hey, look, I'm going to own that and I'm going to do that, and I'm going to be that, and I'm going to accomplish that, and I'm, I'm going to have that. Man, we're awake to it. It drives us. It's with us when we wake up in the morning. It's with us when we go to sleep at night, and we can line out all the ambitions and all of the plans that we have. Man, we're, we are awake to it. We're awake to our offenses. I don't like how that pastor said that. I don't like how that went down. We're awake to our insecurities. Man, I can't ever be useful. Hear the voices of people in your past talking in your ear as though you are still living. And you are. Some of you still are living under the shadow of the skepticism of people who are dust I don't mean that in an insulting way, and yet we can allow, uh, we, can, we can be aware of those voices and those critics and those skeptics. Like, you really, you can't ever be a good wife, or you can't ever be a good mother, you can't ever be a good husband, you can't ever be a good church member, you can't ever be, su you can't ever be successful in what God would use your life for. Man, we're aware of that. We're aware of our failures. And I've messed up so many times. And some, some of you wake up every day and you go through a checklist of all the things that you've messed up in your life. 
and you continue to focus on how you failed over and over and over again. We're, we're aware of bitternesses. We're aware of fears. We're aware of so many things. And yet we're not awake to the one who holds us together. He's like that foundational I-beam. And we sleepwalk by over and over and over and over. How long does it take you to think about God when you wake up in the morning? I think it's a fair question. And if your attitude is don't judge me, I'm not. Because before I asked you this question, I asked myself this question. And if his thoughts of me are without interruption, then how long does it take me before my thoughts of him engage? No, I'm, I'm not saying that I should think about him the way he thinks about me because I need sleep. But I can wake up thinking about money. I can wake up thinking about hobbies. I can wake up thinking about problems. I can wake up thinking about things I went to bed mad about. How long before God enters your thinking process with each new day? How many days can you go without reading his word and feel okay about it? How long does it take you to consult him about the direction of your life? How long does it take you to humble yourself when you're straying? How long does it take you to reach out to him when you're overwhelmed? How long does it take you to obey him when he prompts you? How long does it take you to talk about him when you're with people that need him? How long does it take you to consider him in the lifestyle that you are choosing? How long does it take you to confess to him when he convicts you? Or to be quiet before his voice when your anger is raging? We are awake to a lot of things, but the eternally aware God we are often asleep to. So, we have to choose to be awake. Okay, I'm about to advocate something but not. I am not advocating Red Bull. I am advocating some spiritual Red Bull. Whole lot of believers that are sleepwalking through life. I'm not saying you're not saved. I'm just saying, I'm just saying that the eternally aware God, we are often sleepwalking through life to him. And we need to be awake to him. Here's three things, just to give you a little spiritual caffeine. Number one, time. Time. We, okay, take a sip of time. Can I ask some questions without, without you getting offended, please? Can I just, Brother Paul, is time precious? And if anybody sits here and thinks, man, I got plenty of time, even the most time goes by like that. And, and the fleeting nature 
of time and of your life and of opportunities and time on this earth and time with your family and time in your marriage and time with your children. Man, look, I, I've, I, I have to think through this and I'm, and I'm, not, I'm not saying this. I, I'm ashamed that I even have to work through this, but I'm a human and I struggle like you do. And, and it's not as though Andrea and I have a perfect marriage and there have been times, there have been moments where I'm hurt or I'm offended, and, and I've literally had to think through, in, in 20 years, in 40 years, if, if I'm able to be aware when I'm dying, or if I'm able to be aware when my wife is dying, am I going to remember how offended or hurt I was, or am I, gonna rem- or am I going to regret that I didn't hold her a little longer, that I didn't give a little more forgiveness, that I didn't demonstrate a little more humility, Man, time ought to wake you up. It's not indefinite. You say, are you trying to scare us? I prefer you to be awake. I'm just, I'm just telling you, moms and dads of little ones, you're going to wake up one day and they're going to be 22. And for some of you, you're going to wake up too late and you're going to realize, I wish I had made some different decisions with my attitude. I wish I had made some different decisions in the things I prioritized in their life. I wish I had made some different decisions in my own habits and how I influenced them. Time. It's like a caffeine shot that ought to wake you up to God. Goodness. Goodness. Can I just, can I just, can I love on you guys for a minute? You're like, ew, gross. I, I look at, I look at this. Don't always smell it, but I look at it. I look at this. Like, how good is God? To let us have generations. Man, it's amazing. That I get to hold life. And help that life. Know him. Look at her. Goodness. Look at you. goodness come in on a Wednesday night when you're tired and yet the praises of God are going up goodness I think about my sinfulness and how it's all been permanently forgiven through the sufficiency of his grace on his cross and I say oh his goodness you need to wake up because of how good he is how many of you prayed for a job And then it didn't take long after you got the job to forget the good God who gave it to you. No, God, I'll be thankful if I get this. And then like the 10 lepers who were healed, only one returns to give thanks. Goodness ought to wake you up. Need. Here's the last thing. Need. Two things under that. I'll do this quickly. Your need for his help. And the need of others for him. And it ought to be like a Red Bull boost in your system. Wake up to God. 
be awake to the eternally aware God. He is eternally aware. You are an eternal priority. Be awake to him in your attitude. Yeah, I know what it's like to struggle with a bad attitude, but wake up to God. He's there. Like, I can choose to have a good attitude. Well, things didn't go my way, right? They didn't always go Jesus' way either, and yet, yeah. In your habits, be awake to God. No, in your church. Oh, I mean, it's a Wednesday night and we're here, Pastor. No, I get it. But be awake to him in how you're here. Be awake to him in why you're here. Be awake to him in what you do when you're here. Be awake to him in your attitude after you leave here. Be awake to him. Be awake to him in your sorrow. Be awake to him in your jubilation. Be awake to him in your marriage. Be awake to him in your singleness. Be awake to him in your gains and in your losses. Be awake to him in your poverty. Be awake to him in your riches. Be awake to him in, in, the, in the difficulties of working. Be awake to him in your retirement. Be awake to him in your failures. Be awake to him in your, in your successes. Be awake to the God who is always aware of you. If he took so much care in forming you and in keeping you, and he can do so many amazing things with you if you'll just wake up. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. You know what I'm afraid of? Not afraid of. It, it happens. I'm concerned. We have to run into something before we wake up. Be awake. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I wonder if there'd be anyone who would just simply raise their hand and say, there are areas where I am not awake to the God who is always aware. I'm just not awake like I need to be. It doesn't mean I'm not awake. I'm just not awake to him. There are areas in my life that bear the evidence of me sleepwalking on God in my attitude, in, in my priorities, in my habits, and in, in my focus on the wrong things and and behaviors that I'm tolerating, attitudes that I'm tolerating, I am, I am not awake to God like I need to be. Would you raise your hand before the Lord and just say, yeah, I need, there are areas I need to wake up. I see them. Let's stand. Let's respond to the Lord. If God has spoken to your heart tonight, in your seat, at the altar, but respond to the Lord while Brother Nate sings.